You're listening to the voice of the future, fighting for America every day. This is the conservative crusader. And here's your host, GOP Josh. Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in here on the Red Future Radio Network. And I'm writing this program. I'm gathering articles. I'm gathering stories for this program as news breaks. We are we are starting this program with breaking news. Neil Peterson will not be on the November 2nd election ballot in Ohio. The Ohio Supreme Court dismisses the would-be independent governor's candidate's lawsuit to make the November ballot, breaking this news right now. We're not going to talk about the, the, the article right now. We're going to go into that after the break during our Ohio segment when we have a lot of news on Mike DeWine as well. Today's program is going to be bigly. But I, I just want to get this out of the way. Neil Peterson, we're so sorry. Uh, I, I'm really disappointed. I was really hoping you'd make it on the ballot. I, I've donated to the campaign. I had a yard sign out in my yard. And I'm just, I, I'm disappointed to hear this. Um, there is now no independence running against Mike DeWine. There is no conservative that's going to take down tyrants, hypocrite. Not, um, what's the word I want to say? Corrupt Mike DeWine. Tyrant Mike DeWine. There is no one to take him down. But Neil Peterson has been taken off the ballot. We're going to talk later in the episode. There is more now leak- linking Mike DeWine to the first energy bribery scandal more than there was before, including text messages, calendar uh, notifications, emails, and more. We're going to talk about that later in the program during our Ohio segment. We'll get into all that in a report from the Ohio Capital Journal. A massive report, a good reports from the Ohio Capital Journal came out with that. But an FBI search warrant, and we're going to talk about Mar-a-Lago a little bit today, not that much, but a little bit today, because the warrant was released after the program. It was, on, it was released on Friday. The program obviously was on Thursday. A search warrant for newly unsealed on Friday reveals that the FBI is investigating Donald Trump for a potential violation of the Espionage Act and that agents removed classified documents from the former president's Florida estate earlier this week. You can't make this up. They are now saying that the 45th president of the United States is a spy. He has obstructed justice. And that's why they seized the documents and that's why they broke into his home. A receipt accompanying the search warrant viewed by Politico in advance of its unsealing shows that Trump possessed documents including a handwritten note, documents marked with TS-SCI, which indicates one of the highest level of government classification, and another item labeled Info Re-President of France. Among the items taken from Mar-a-Lago, an item labeled Executive Grant of Clemency, Roger Jason Stone Jr., a reference to one of Trump's closest confidants who received a pardon in late 2020. The warrant shows federal law enforcement was investigating Trump for removal, or destruction of records, obstruction of justice, and violating the Espionage Act, which can encompass crimes beyond spying, such as the refusal to return national security documents upon request. Conviction under the statutes can result in imprisonment, imprisonment or fines, and that's why they're going to try to do it. They're going to try to imprison Donald Trump. Like I said, they're not going to stop until he's behind bars or worse. They're going to try to imprison Donald Trump. They're going to try to take him down so he can't run again and he can't win again for the third time. They're going to do whatever they can to take him down, and we cannot stand for it. And if you really believe the 45th president is a spy against the United States or is committing espionage against the United States, you're, you're utterly... Sorry, you're, you're, you're just stupid. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be plain and simple. I don't like using that word, but if you think the 45th president has committed espionage against the United States, you're, you're frankly wrong. 
A document unsealed after the Justice Department sought their public disclosure amid relentless attacks by Donald Trump and his GOP allies underscore the extraordinary national security threat that federal investigators believe the missing documents presented. The concern grew so acute that Attorney General Merrick Garland approved the unprecedented search of Trump's estate last week. Disclosure of the documents comes four days after Trump publicly confirmed the court-authorized search of his Mar-a-Lago home by, uh, home by the FBI, marshalling his political allies to unle- uh, unleash fierce criticism of federal investigators. But the details in the warrant underscore the gravity of the probe, an unprecedented investigation of a former president for mishandling some of the nation's most sensitive secrets. The DOJ moves to unseal portions of the warrant at Mar-a-Lago, but they don't want to release the affidavit that actually caused them to go where they went. And, and so they're just hiding it. They're hiding it from the American people. If he commit, if he committed a bad enough crime to cause the Espionage Act, we should see the affidavit. Even if they want to redact the name. Say what caused that raid. Because they're weaponizing the, the justice system against Republicans and against conservatives. And they're putting them on the, on the bad side of us. And they're putting them on the side of, we can't back the blue anymore if you're not going to back us. I mean, I'm not saying to get us away with crime, but let us know what we're doing wrong. If Trump actually committed espionage, which he didn't, if he did, I I would be fully on board with saying, yeah, lock him up. He didn't, though. And Trump didn't do what they're claiming he's doing, as as he never does. The big thing they always do is they attack him saying he does things he doesn't do, and, and they do that with everyone. Alex Jones, Steve Bannon, they do it with everyone on the right trying to make sure they're taken down. They're doing the same thing with Giuliani, which we'll get into later in the program. And it's just, it's disgusting. It's a political takeover and a political takedown of the right, and they're doing everything they can to make sure the right's taken down. But we are going to move on because we have a lot to get to and not a lot of time to get to it all. CNN, CNBC, and the Associated Press all met with the Chinese Communist Party propagandists in July. This is from the National Pulse, which is a right-leaning source. Uh, Natalie Winters wrote this piece. Major U.S. outlets, uh, including CNN, CNBC, and the Associated Press, recently met with Chinese Communist Party propagandists flagged by the U.S. government for seeking to uh, millennially influence, or however you pronounce that word, U.S. politics, the National Pulse can reveal. The bureau chiefs for the Associated Press, CNN, and CNBC took a meeting with the Chinese People's Association for Friendship with Foreign Countries, which is part of the China's billion-dollar United Front effort. United Front came, aims to co-opt and neutralize sources of potential opposition to the policies and authority of its ruling Chinese Communist Party and influence foreign governments to take actions or adopt policies supportive of Beijing's supportive policies. According to the Federal U.S.-China Security and Economic Review Commission, a U.S. government initiative from 2018, now, the United Front groups such as the China-United States Exchange Foundation have used tactics including free trips to China to garner favorable coverage from mainstream media outlets according to Foreign Agent Restoration Act, FARA, filings. The CPA, FC, FFC, have been dubbed the public face of the United Front Work Department and um, um, avowedly in arm of the party state, in addition to be flagged by the U.S. State Department for its campaign to so directly and malignly influence American officials and business leaders. Journalists met with the president, Ling, Ling Zhangatan, at the group's Beijing headquarters on July 26, 2022. As a press release from the Chinese language website reveals, the meeting enhanced mutual understanding and friendship. Uh, this is from, this is probably translated, so excuse the broken grammar right away. On July 26, President Ling Zhang, 
Songatan met with Mori Jigatan, director of the Greater China News Department of the Associated Press, uh, Kaia Jing of the Beijing Bureau Chief of CNN, the American Consumers of the Chinese People's Association for Friendship in Foreign Countries, representative of mainstream media outlet in Beijing, including CNBC. The two sides had a candid and friendly exchange of views on China's domestic and foreign policies, China-U.S. relations with non-governmental exchange between the two countries, and issues of common concern, which enhanced the mutual understanding and friendship. The CPAFFC president appeared to instruct the media representatives to portray China as an ally, as opposed to a major competitor, and to avoid misjudgment and misleading public opinion. The Unearthed webpage follows the National Post linking to other individuals and organizations who are often publicly soft on China, affiliating with the CPAFFC. Similarly, mainstream media outlets have repeatedly published stories lauding the Chinese Communist Party and uncritically echoing the regime's propaganda and talking points. They are now directly influencing our journalists, folks. The people of the United States that are supposed to be fair, supposed to be balanced, supposed to be open, supposed to be bipartisan, supposed to be not involved in political matters in any country, let alone the United States, let alone China, are now taking meetings with the China propaganda wing, the same people probably behind their their CCP TV networks, uh, Zhuang is one of them, or however you pronounce it, you know what I'm talking about. And, and how can they do this? How how can, I mean, they can take whatever meeting they want, but how can American news outlets, CNBC, supposedly center-left, CNN's obviously left-wing, and Associated Press is supposed to be nonpartisan, and they are told by the CCP that they have to do specific things and say specific things on their network. Say, well, we are... Not an enemy. We're a cooperative partner. Uh, we say the U.S. should adopt similar policies to us. The U.S. should listen to them. That's what they're saying. I mean, I, I just read the report from the National Pulse. I trust the National Pulse. You can read it for yourself. The link is in the show notes below. I mean, do you really believe that they're going to do the best interest of the, of the United States in their reporting? They're in the pocket of the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese Communist Party is talking to them about their editorials. Is talking to them about what they write, about what they say, about what they do on their television channel. Someone from the CCP is probably watching at all times, seeing what they do. And if that's not concerning to anyone else, I must be on the minority. I must be the minority because this is a problem. Truly, there should not be a, a Chinese Communist Party group in charge of, of this. That's, that's despicable. Directly infringing on the freedom of the press of the United States, also trying to, to program Americans into supporting them and supporting their policies, which that Amer- the majority of America will never do, without even being told the truth. I mean, Chinese representatives are meeting with Chinese officials for American news outlets. Why do they even have Chinese officials? Why is there a China, a Beijing bureau chief for CNN? For CNBC, it's an American economy, an American investing news channel. Why do they need a CNN investor? A, or not, I'm sorry, a CNN investor. I'm sorry, a, a Beijing reporter. They are a American reporting channel in charge of the American stock market, covering the American stock market. What does the China have to do with that? Why is there Chinese staff for, for this news network? That's the true question. And what are they doing editorially in their non-economic reporting, which I've seen a lot of nowadays from CNBC? 
in their non-economic reporting, what, how are they influencing that? How is China influencing what they're writing? And I believe it's more than we see. More than what meets the eye. And that's not a good thing by any means. But it's not going to stop. We need to continue calling this out. And that's why I, me and Sam started the Red Future Radio Network. Is to battle these Chinese Communist Party propagandists. And I don't believe the Chinese Communist Party w- w- wants to meet with me anytime soon. Me or Sam. Because frankly, we're not going to stand for this. Alternate media is going to be more important day by day. Because the mainstream is going to lie. The mainstream is in the pocket of the Chinese Communist Party. I have it right here in print. In the pocket. In their pocket. We have to have alternatives. We can't keep following the same old, same old corporate media. They're not going to tell the truth. They're not going to work for you and I. And they're certainly, certainly not meeting with American people. About the same thing they're meeting Chinese people with. And I don't believe Americans should have influence in their, in, in their um, reporting either. In their editorials either. The government should not be in, in, in any government. Whether it's a Chinese government, whether it's a U.S. government. They shouldn't be involved in it in any way. That's not their job. Freedom of the press is freedom of the press, whether the, the, the American government likes it or whether the Chinese government likes it. Freedom of the press is freedom of the press. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. This is The Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is The Conservative Crusader. Call into the program. Leave a voicemail. 57-GOP-JOSH-7-574-675-6747. You can also text that number. Email me, josh at gopjosh.com. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram at gopjosh20. Facebook, Telegram, Truth Social, Gab, Getter, Parlor is at gopjosh on all of those platforms. My website is gopjosh.com. Also, redfutureradio.com. My Patreon is the best way to support the program. Patreon.com slash gopjosh. And I think I got everything out of the way. <laughs> so Rudy Giuliani, obviously, was a Trump lawyer during the the big fraud claims, the big investigations. He has confirmed and in, has been informed that he is a target of a probe in the Trump's alleged election interference in Georgia. So they're claiming that Trump interfered in the election. He said, "Well, well, we only need this many votes. Figure out what happened, and that's election interference." Whatever. They're, they're doing everything they can for Donald Trump and, and to attack Donald Trump and make sure that he is not able to run again. That's their only goal. They gain nothing else. Taking down the, the number one Republican figure isn't going to stop the number two Republican figure. Taking down the number one Republican figure is not going to stop the Republican base. So all they gain is directly stopping one man who is the biggest enemy that they have. And that man is Donald J. Trump. That's all they're doing. It won't stop anything. It won't cause, cause uh, calm in the Republican Party. It is solely and only to try and stop, which it won't work, try and stop Donald J. Trump. So Rudy Giuliani, the lawyer of Donald Trump, is now informed he is a target of a probe into Trump's alleged election fraud interference and election in- interference in Georgia. Rudy Giuliani is a target of the criminal investigation into possible 2020 election fraud interference, I'm sorry, in Georgia by former President Donald Trump and others. His attorney told NBC News, obviously this is an NBC News report. The lawyer, Robert Costello, said that part of their efforts to compel Giuliani's testimony, Georgia prosecutors initially told New York courts that Giuliani was a material witness. Then Costello said Giuliani's lawyers were informed Monday that he is a target of the probe. So not only Donald Trump, not just the president, 
but also Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal lawyer. Not, not the government lawyer, not the campaign lawyer, but his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. I believe he was the personal lawyer, at least. Giuliani Trump's personal, yeah, right here, former personal attorney and former mayor of New York City was ordered last week to testify in person Wednesday before a grand jury handling the case. Um, the grand jury called by Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis subpoenaed Giuliani last month as a material witness as part of its investigation and co- uh, coordinated attempts to law- unlawfully alter the outcome of the 2020 elections. The subpoena said Giuliani made attempts, uh, statewide uh, statements, I'm sorry, at legislative hearings in Georgia falsely claiming that there has been widespread voter fraud in the state. If he was false, which he wasn't, by the way, but if he was false and said there was widespread voter fraud in the state of Georgia and that was to be proven false, why is that punishable? He wasn't lying before a court. The opinions expressed at a hearing is is not punishable. If someone says they're anti-abortion at a hearing, they're not going to get arrested for that. Not in America, at least. Why can't Rudy Giuliani say that he believes there was voter fraud? I believe there was voter fraud. Are you going to come after me next? And I'm not afraid to say there was voter fraud. Because our elections aren't free and fair in America anymore. So Rudy Giuliani is a target of the probe. He was not a material witness as, as originally reported, as originally stated by the committee, by the people doing the investigation. Uh, Lindsey Graham tried to squash a subpoena seeking his testimony into the Georgia investigation. He's a senator from South Carolina that's weak on every issue. I don't know why he's even get, getting involved. But he tried to squash the subpoena. He is not able to squash it. He's going to be subpoenaed. It's all a joke. And, I mean, I, I say that a lot nowadays, but everything the government seems to do is a joke. Why is there an investigation two years after the election into comments made about the election. But they refused to investigate the election itself. Imagine if they put the same amount of resources that they're putting into punishing Rudy Giuliani for believing there might have been voter fraud. They put the same amount of resources into something to to actually investigate the voter fraud. Then investigate it and come up with a public report saying there was no voter fraud. Republicans, Democrats, allow, allow them to, to do it together. Not Ryan knows, but actual Republicans. Allow Trump's lawyers to be there, allow these people to be there. And say, look, we investigated it, we looked at every machine, we looked at every ballot, there was no voter fraud. That's final. No dead people voted. There were no massive drops. That's final. That would be much easier than investigating them and, and criminally charging them because they have a dissonant opinion. And that's where America is going. If you have a dissonant opinion, if you don't agree 100% with the mob, with the establishment, with the woke, then you're going to be taken down. And I don't expect any different. They're going to do everything they can to allow any dissident and and stop any dissident from speaking. Especially if they, they speak out against voter fraud. Be prepared. This is just the beginning. We're not even close to over. This is just the beginning. I mean... Rudy Giuliani is not going to be the end. A guy that closely involved to the president won't be the end. He's got, they're going to come after all of us. Be prepared. Be prepared. But what if I told you, and I, I've said that a lot lately, but what if I told you that Liz Cheney's husband is a partner at the law firm defending Hunter Biden? Full circle, folks. Why do the Democrats want to keep Liz Cheney in power? 
not only because of January 6th, but also because she's defending and her family is defending Hunter Biden. Wyoming GOP Representative Liz Cheney's husband is a partner at the law firm now representing Hunter Biden. Philip Ferry ha- Perry has worked at Latham & Watkins since 2007 and focuses on white-collar cases, commercial, and Supreme Court litigation, according to his company biography. Another Latham partner, Chris Clark, has been representing Hunter Biden since December 2020, but Cheney's in- husband's involvement at the firm has not been previously known. Okay, so, so if we see this, Imagine if this was a Democratic congresswoman defending Don Jr. Mainstream news, every single outlet. Even Fox would carry it as a mainstream headliner for the next three years. Remember that time that AOC's brother, or I'm sorry, Ilhan Omar's brother, I mean husband, I mean brother, I mean husband, defended uh, Hunter Biden, or uh, Don Jr., in court, or a, a someone who worked with, with Ilhan Omar's brother, I mean husband, I mean brother, I mean husband, in a different branch of the same law firm, which is what they're claiming this is. Well, well, that's going to be mainstream news for the rest of the time. It's going to be the mainstream news until we have like the first, also uh, the first Christian, Muslim, uh, Jewish, uh, Buddhist president. All, all four at the same time. That that'll be the next story that takes down the Hunter Biden or the the Don Jr. Ilhan Omar story. So why is this not being reported on? Why is it just, I'm not going to say fringe outlets, why is it just small, smaller outlets like the Washington Post, or I'm sorry, the New York Post, reporting on this? It shouldn't be the New York Post that has to report on this. It should be mainstream outlets. If it was Harriet Hagman's husband, it would be all over the place, but she's going to take down Liz Cheney tomorrow and ruin her career, get out and vote Wyoming. It's just, are you kidding me? The double standards, and I say this a lot, and this show could be called the, the, double, the double Standard Point-Out Show, but it's actually the Conservative Crusader on the Red Future Radio Network. The double standards are just unmatched. Where else in the world can, can one person do one thing and get insanely punished for it, and another person do the exact same thing with nothing? Where else in the world is a former president investigated by a raid on his personal property after he leaves the White House peacefully. When has that happened? In history of the United States and uh, and of the world. When has that happened and how is it going to continue to happen? What's not going to continue to happen, however, is Liz Cheney's political career. She's out tomorrow. She is absolutely gone, abolished. See you later, later, Cheney. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Or as some would say, don't let the uh, the door hit you or the good Lord split you. On her way out of the Capitol. Because she's lost. She, she's lost the primary, guaranteed. But an insider story from the Business Insider, now just called Insider, they changed their name. A Liz Cheney primary loss in white. They must be one of those trans outlets changing their name from, from Business Insider to Insider. Don't dead name them, no Business Insider. A Liz Cheney primary loss in Wyoming won't mark the end of her fight against Trump nor her political career. Quote, I wouldn't be surprised to see her run for president, unquote. That is a that is a Senator Mitt Romney quote, by the way. She's going to continue her fight against Trump even if she loses her Wyoming primary on Tuesday. Cheney believes she has a bright future even if she loses floating a presidential candidacy. We'll see what happens, but I don't think she's gone by any means. I wouldn't be surprised to see her run for president, Senator Mitt Romney said. 
There's a bitter feud between the two of them, obviously. It will come to a head uh, on Tuesday as Wyoming voters decide who will take the victory lap in the high-profile Republican primary. But no matter the outcome, the rivalry and Cheney's future in politics is far from over. This is obviously a left-wing report praising Liz Cheney for her work against President Trump. But as a Republican and as a conservative and as someone who who doesn't just stick their thumb in the air to see how the wind's blowing before they make a decision, an opinion, Liz Cheney's out. You can't tell me that the same person who has destroyed the leader of her party, whether she likes him being the leader or not, destroyed the leader of her political party, she's not. she doesn't have a future in politics. If she loses a state that she supposedly grew up in, the state she's lived in for at least four years, six years now, I'm sorry. If she loses that state in a primary to Harriet Hagman, a pretty unknown person, besides her endorsement for Trump of Trump, you have no chance. That's like me, me saying, I'm going to run for, for county commissioner against this guy that's been here for 20 years. I have no chance. And I'm not going to say, well, I lost that battle. I'm going to run for governor. Oh, I lost that too. I'm going to run for president. Oh, I lost that too. That's the same thing that's going to happen. There, there is no history in politics that has led to someone as unprecedented as Liz Cheney losing her, her office. And there's no precedent to go off of here, but my basic understanding of politics is that if voters in your home state reject you, good luck. I mean, uh, Biden was in Delaware for like 40 years. If someone loses their Senate battle or their representative battle or their even state senator battle, they don't have much of a future. They don't have much of a chance. Especially if it's in the primary after you're the incumbent. Are you kidding me, Liz Cheney? Please run for president. Please waste your daddy's oil fortune, your daddy's war fortune. Please do it. I'd love to see that happen. I'd love to see her get crushed. I'd love to see her debate Trump. Imagine the debates. <laughs> Imagine the 2024 debates between her and President Trump. I, I, I couldn't believe them. That'd be awesome. I can't wait to watch those. You know what, Liz Cheney? I'll take that back. Run for president in 2024. Run. Take on the, the, the Trump swamp. Take him on. Run in 2024. I hope to see you run, and I hope to see you get crushed by Donald Trump. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. This is The Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is The Conservative Crusader. Very excited to be with you all today. Once again. 12 days after Pelosi's Taiwan trip, which I said she shouldn't do. More U.S. lawmakers has visited Taiwan. Five of them. Uh, Ed Markey, who is AOC's best bud in the Senate. Uh, a Republican from American Samoa, which really isn't a Republican at all. Um, a couple other uh, Democrats. No Republicans went. They took a trip to Taiwan. A Taiwanese broadcaster showed video of a U.S. government plane landing about 7 p.m. Sunday at Shangshai Airport in Taipei's the Taiwanese capital. Four members of the delegation were on the plane. Markey met with South Korean President Yoon suk yeol earlier Sunday in the South Korea before arriving in Taiwan on a separate flight, which also serves uh, Tapaya. Markey, who chairs the Senate Foreign Relations East Asia Pacific and International Cybersecurity Subcommittee, and members of the delegation will reaffirm the United States' support for Taiwan. 
I don't have much to say about this. I don't think we should get pushed around by China by stopping everything because they say so, but it's un- it's unneeded. It's really not necessary. A phone call can do the same thing, besides making a statement and making a point and giving yourself a pat on the back. I visited Taiwan when others won in Taiwan. I'm the confident one. Republicans in Congress said they weren't even notified about the trip outside of the one that went, so that's besides the point, but that's that's some news I thought I'd bring to you. Just that, just our news hour. This is the news talk program. News is the, it comes before talk. So five more lawmakers are visiting Taiwan. Let's see where that goes. And then more news that I have comments on. Yes. Comment, com- comment story. The Pfizer CEO of the vaccine company Pfizer tests positive for COVID-19. The vaccine, which works so great, he has four doses, probably one of the first people to get the doses, has tested positive for COVID. The chief executive officer, Albert Borla, said he tested positive for COVID-19 and is receiving Paxlovid, the treatment made by his company. Borla said he's feeling well, although experiencing very mild symptoms, according to a statement Monday. He's received four doses of the COVID vaccine, also made by the Pfizer in collaboration with BioNTech SE. The CEO is one of many people who have contracted COVID despite receiving full vaccination and boosting the mutating coronavirus. Yada, yada, yada. COVID mutating. Uh, no one's safe. Uh, go, go get in home and stay home. His tweet, his statement. I would like to let you know that I have tested positive for hashtag COVID-19. He put a hashtag. That's how important the statement is. I'm thankful to have received four doses of the Pfizer BioNTech COVID vaccine, and I'm feeling well while experiencing very mild symptoms. I am isolating and have started a course with Paxlovid. He's vaccinated, got two boosters, has his two full shots at the beginning, test positive for COVID, takes a medication to stop how bad the COVID is. Are, are people still buying this? Are people still going, let me stick my arm out. Stick it in there, Joe. Stick it in there, Kamala. Stick it in there, Liz Cheney. Are people buying that? Still today, as the CEO of Pfizer tests positive, are people still buying the tyranny? Still buying the shot? Still getting the shot? Still getting their boosters? Really? Pay attention. It doesn't help. It doesn't stop anything. You're still going to get infected. Biden got infected for like seven weeks or whatever it was. It's not going to stop anything. It's just politics at this point. Truly. But we have to to move on to some crazy politics in the state of Ohio. Like I said, the one guy capable of taking him down was the guy who is no longer on the ballot. So, So... Before we before we begin, I want to talk about the DeWine first energy bribery scandal from the Ohio Capital Journal. I prepared to do an entire segment about this. It was going to be an entire section of the show about this soul, this single story. Because it's incredibly important that people know this. But now we have more breaking news that is that is more pressing to me. So we're going to talk about this for a little bit and also talk about Neil Peterson's race. Governor Mike DeWine and his administration played a hands-on role passing an allegedly pay-for-play nuclear bailout in appointing an industry-friendly regulator who has been accused of taking a $4.3 million bribe, documents, and messages show. Calendar records show DeWine and Republican met repeatedly to discuss energy policy with First Energy Corp officials and at least one with once with GOP House Speaker Nancy How- Larry Householder, who has been criminally accused of taking a separate multi-million dollar bribe from the company to pass the bailout. Um, here, allegedly, where is this at? Okay, I pressed the wrong button on my... 
document. I'm not printing off five pages of paper. Sorry about that. Despite a cautionary letter from the environmental groups and a 198-page dossier from his former campaign staffer warning against the move, DeWine appointed San Randazzo in 2019 to the head of the Public Utilities Commission in Ohio. First Energy last summer admitted it paid Randazzo a $4.3 million bribe. He has not been charged with a crime and denies no wrongdoing. Newly released text messages show First Energy executives describing an open line with the administration on the selection and inside support of the Ohio chief executive. When the governor-elect asked me about attributes, I listened to integrity, work, work ethic, creativity, thick skin, circumspection about in-public statements. First Energy's then-CEO texted Randazio about the public open PUCO seat in 2018, just before DeWine took office. In one text, First Energy Executive Mike Dowling credits Mike DeWine and Governor, uh, Lieutenant Governor John Husted with performing with battlefield triage to save Randazzo's appointment before a key vote. Both DeWine and Husted have previously denied that a redacted version of the text messages that appeared in criminal docu- documents referred to them. Federal prosecutors accused Larry Householder of secretly controlling a nonprofit that took $60 million from First Energy. He allegedly passed, uh, he allegedly used the money to enrich himself personally and politically and to ensure the passage of House Bill 6, which provided a massive bailout to two nuclear plants at the time owned by First Energy. If you don't know about this story, read into it. But this is the big thing. Republicans, the state of Ohio, the great Republican Party that's been able to get get supermajorities, and we should follow their leadership because they got supermajorities, has taken four... Oh, wait, wait, not $4 million. Like $64 million from First Energy to pass a bill. That is corruption at its finest, folks. And I've talked about this before lightly, but now DeWine is directly linked. Directly linked. In January of 2021, the First Energy officials texted one another trying to fill not just one, but two open PUCO seats, all while mentioning phone calls with, quote, DeWine guys, unquote, about it. That's their plan, but nothing certain until Sam Randazio's meeting with DeWine, Jones texted Dowling. Four people in DeWine world, you, Sam, and I know about this. The PUCO seats will eventually be filled by Randazio. Another commissioner renewed. DeWine is completely in there. An email sent from DeWine's personal email account. Sam, what do we do about whether nuclear plants need this boost? DeWine, using his personal email, wrote to Randazio. One editorial suggested testimony was not conclusive. Dowling paid a visit to the residence the next day. He responded to the email uh, Randazio did on June 11th, casting doubts on the studies in the editorials. On July 1st, Dowling texted Jones, just had a long inter- uh, conversation with Jay Houston just now. All is well. I don't have much to say. Besides, this is the guy that's going to be serving as governor for the next four years of Ohio. And John Houston is going to launch his, his 2026 campaign probably next year. We'll be serving right alongside him as lieutenant governor. This is criminal. This is truly the final straw. We have to have a stop. We have to have a final straw. I understand the the Republican nominees. We have to have someone on the ballot. But are you telling me this is worth it? Are you telling me that that 
$64 million to pass a bill is not only legitimate, but it's also acceptable for a Republican or a Democrat. That we should accept them being on the ballot as Republicans. Are you telling me this straight to my face right now? Not really, but that we should accept these guys. I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. I supported DeWine in 2018. But this is my final straw. I I was done as it was. But we're truly, truly screwed as a state. I'm I'm over it. I'm truly done with the DeWine regime. I don't know who's better. I'm not supporting Nan Whaley. But I do know Mike DeWine will never have my support again. But I want to talk about this story before we before we have to go. The Ohio Supreme Court dismisses would-be independent governor's candidate lawsuit to make the November ballot. The Ohio Supreme Court has dismissed a Dayton area pastor's lawsuit challenging state officials' decision that he fell short of signature gathering requirements he needed to qualify to run for a governor as a political independent. In a written order on Monday... Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor, a Republican, said Neil Peterson failed to meet a Friday deadline the court had set for him to summarize his case on writing. Representing himself, Peterson has filed a lawsuit on August 1st, challenging the state's laws for independent candidates as unconstitutionally burdensome. Burdensome. Peterson had planned him out a campaign for governor's conservative independent candidate. Democrats have been rooting for him to qualify through the ballot, hoping he would divert support from Republican Mike DeWine, boosting Nan Whaley. He fell short 555 signatures. Uh, among the issues Peterson raised in his lawsuit was a 5,000 signature requirement itself compared to the 100,000 that a major party candidate must collect. He also took issue with the 78 days that passed between the May 2nd deadline and July 15th deadline when the county boards of elections were required to finish re- reviewing them. They said that county election officials improperly rejected at least 488 signatures. So that's all we really know. Uh, Pat DeWine recused himself from the case. That's all we know. Maureen O'Connor delivered the opinion that they're not accepting the case. So, what do we do? Ohio Patriots have to regroup. We have to do something. We can't have Mike DeWine again. That, that first energy scandal is enough for me. Obviously, COVID on top of it. But even if it wasn't for COVID, that would be enough. We, we can't have Peterson at this point. He's he's out of it. He can't run again. There's no hope for him getting on the ballot at this point. I believe it's intentional. What is there to, for us to do? What is there for conservatives to do? What can we do? I wish we had another choice. I wish we had another option. I wish there was a third party on the ballot. But we don't have much we can do. I don't know who to support. I don't know who we need to support. I don't know what's going on. I don't know write-ins. But we need to save our state somehow. We can't sit back and back DeWine because he's the Republican. He has an R next to his name. We can't stand by and support Ann Whaley. So Ohio Patriots have to do something... Send in your comments, josh at gopjosh.com. Let me know what you think on that case. What can we do as Ohio Patriots to stop Mike DeWine not only again, but also try to get a Patriot 
an office. Is there really anything we can do in Ohio? Is there any hope in this race? Is there any hope in 2024, or in 2022, I'm sorry, to get a Patriot in, in the governor's mansion? I really don't know. But I'm extremely disappointed. I was praying for his nomination, but Ohio motto, as it goes, with God, all things are possible. And obviously, God wasn't with his campaign. He didn't think that was the road to go down. And so we are going to... We are going to have to move on. Praying for Neil Peterson moving on from this challenge. Praying for his campaign staff as they move along. Praying for the state of Ohio. I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to say. We'll be back Thursday with a brand new episode on the Conservative Crusader. My name is JP Josh. This has been the Conservative Crusader, obviously, on the Red Future Radio Network. Josh at jpjosh.com, 57jpjosh7, jpjosh.com. Contact us, get in contact with us, follow the program, and stay tuned. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. 